0: Okay, so good morning everyone, and wasn't that amazing, hey, praise the Lord, we um, always get to enjoy His presence wherever we are, but even more so when we're together, amen. How many of you enjoy corporate praise and worship, getting together, together, like this? Because we are one church, are we not? Amen. So I want to strongly emphasize that with you, because... Every single believer all over our country and around the world, every single one of us are first and foremost adopted into God's house as his sons and daughters. Now, ladies, I use daughters to make it easy for you, but actually you're all just sons. Because I'm a bride and you're a son, and we just got to get over that. I'm a pretty bride and you can be a strong son. How's that sound? Okay, Because God is using a relationship type to communicate a responsibility and an intimacy. So on one level, Jesus is intimate with us like he would be with his bride. And on the other level, God has given us responsibility and intimacy like he would be with his son. And so when you understand the dynamics of family you begin to understand the dynamics of the kingdom because the kingdom of heaven functions like a family. How many of you remember Moses putting people um, in charge of smaller groups because he was advised that he couldn't deal with all the problems in Israel? And if you look at that, you'll see that much of our modern-day law-based systems match the pattern of what Jethro's advice was to Moses. You get local court, then you get regional, then you get national, then you get high court. Those are all stages that you're going to end up taking a problem to before it reaches the people who are going to make the biggest decisions. If you can deal with it at the bottom here, then it doesn't need to go further. Jesus came to his disciples, and his disciples were trying to Um, well, two of them particularly, were trying to get their mothers to help them out. They were trying to get their mothers to speak to Jesus about getting positions, one on his left and the other one on his right. And so the mothers thought, well, you know, we want our sons to succeed. So they went to Jesus, and Jesus was like, no, 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 hold on. This is not something I'm going to be choosing, and this isn't something you should be wondering about. So he goes to his disciples and he makes this statement. He says to them, he says, It will not be with you as it is with the Gentiles. I want you to remember, Jethro was a Gentile. He was a Midianite. He only understood how to operate according to military procedure. And so he gave Moses his best advice and under the law, God allowed it because it was the best way to deal with the problem." But Jesus is now giving us the mode of operation. And he says, it won't be with you as it is with the Gentiles where they lord it one over the other. But you will submit one to another and the greatest among you will be the greatest servants. So how many of you want to be great? I don't see any hands. I'm like, geez, which church am I in? How many of you want to be Great. Okay, so how many of you are serving your heart out right now to the degree that you don't have time for anything of your own stuff? Oh, my gosh. Do you know Paul was great not because he claimed to be great, but because he served his life away. Jesus said even the Son of Man did not come into the world to be served, but to serve even to the point of laying down his life Across the model of kingdom living was given to us by Jesus, and the model was not a military hierarchy but it was rather a family. With fathers and mothers, encourage their children to go further than they've ever gone, and they don't get jealous when they start succeeding. Are you listening to me? We are supposed to. Have a blueprint of the kingdom, it's a blueprint of family. You don't get jealous when your children are doing well, and when your children are doing well and everyone knows about it, it's your glory. And when you go to like a you know, like a school event where they give prizes and your child gets five prizes, you go, That's my boy, that's my girl, isn't that right? You get that the glory. Your glory is their success. Jesus said, let your light shine before all men so that they may see your good deeds and give glory to your Father in heaven. Why? Because when you act like God says he knows you can act, then he ends up getting the glory for it. Come on now. Am I getting too loud? But does it it make sense what I'm trying to tell you? is that we've been put under such wet blankets over time because the wrong systems have tried to govern us when actually the Word of God has been for us from the beginning. Are you hearing me? So what I want to bring you back to, because if you remember the last time I shared, I spoke to you about things that get in the way and things that cause failure. How many of you remember that? And one of the biggest things that get in the way and cause failure, okay, is unbelief that is created through the traditions of men or through culture and systems that nullify the Word of God. Because you get brought up into that. You don't even know it's wrong, and you don't know what you don't know. You just believe those who have gone before you have taught you properly, and you literally have to deconstruct those concepts in order to find the truth. And it's not an easy road because you're fighting internal mechanisms that you've already established over time. Is this helpful? So so what I'm going to speak to you about is about returning back to the authority of God's word as the foundation, the constitution, and the culture for our community. Did you get that? So, number one, God's word has to be our foundation. Now, what what does it mean to have a foundation, and what is God's word? So, let me just give you a little bit of detail there. Number one, the integrity of anyone's word is dependent on the history of their character and reputation. If you've got pen and pen, paper, you want to write that down. Fortunately, there's a video. Hallelujah. So you're all going to visit Facebook today. Amen? Okay. I've got three amens. Yay. Right. So here's the deal, okay? That means that when someone makes you a promise, they have to be somebody that makes promises and keeps them. If they are somebody that makes promises and doesn't keep them, they, we call them something, right? We call them untrustworthy. Am I right? Now, let's just take this building as an example. There's a structural integrity in this building that is of such a nature that when you walk in here, you don't find yourself concerned that the ceiling might fall on you, that you might fall through the floor, that the walls might fall over. You don't have any of that concern. And if you do, Jesus loves you. It's not going to happen. Be free from that fear. Amen. Okay. So we know that this building was built and constructed on a foundation that provides for a firm building. And so that firm building has what we would call integrity. Am I right? So integrity is an important aspect not only of your life. Jesus said, do not swear by the sun and the moon and heavens and whatever and your mother's grave and all that stuff, no. Let your yes be your yes and your no be your no. And how many of you have encountered people who say yes and then two days later they say no? And you're like, but hold on, I just planned like a whole week's worth of stuff based on your yes. That's very disconcerting, am I right? So when you say yes, mean yes. When you say no, mean no. Amen? Amen. All right. That means that you have to establish integrity in your own words if you want your words to carry any weight as God's word carries weight. If you never mean what you say, then only once you come to a place of meaning what you say can it mean what it says? Because God says what he means and he means what he says. Amen? So when you read something in here and you go, man, that would, that would be so nice if it was true. I guess it's true, but it'd be so nice if it was true for me. Okay, I'm going to say it until I'm convinced of it. Until you're convinced of it, it ain't going to work for you. That's why many of the people in the early faith movement would repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat, and most of it would be pointless. It would take them two, three years for this thing to actually convince them that it's true. And then the one time that they actually realized it was true and meant it when they said it, boom, it happened. Does it make sense? Because the Bible says that if you believe in your heart that what you say with your mouth is true, the mountain will move. If you do not doubt. And what is doubt? Doubt is the temptation to shrink back from the position of agreement with your own word. Is this making sense to you? So number one, God's word brought everything into existence. Yeah? So Psalm 119 verse 89 says forever o lord your word is firmly fixed in the heavens your faithfulness endures to all generations and you have established the earth and it stands fast now i'm sure many of us read genesis and the whole thing starts off in genesis 1 with god's spirit hovering over the face of the emptiness before the earth even existed and god speaking and saying light be how many of you guys know that light's still sticking around? In fact, scientists are discovering today that light is also a frequency. Which is interesting because God spoke a frequency and it turned into light. Let's Think about that for a second. And that every single atom in your body is made out of those frequencies, different frequencies and different densities, and they all... Particles of light. You are literally balls of light, all of you. Little photons, electrons, protons, all spinning around, popping in and out of existence. But you can go check that out in your own time. What I want you to understand about it is that you are the substance, you're made out of the substance of the stuff that God spoke into existence. And so the world came into existence through the power and the authority of God's word. In other words, God spoke a sentence and we're living in it. Because the word universe literally means single spoken sentence. Yo. So we're living in the single spoken sentence of God, which means we wouldn't exist if God didn't have integrity. Maybe that should make you think a it. You see, you would not exist right now if God's integrity was in question. Which means we need to start making sure that we don't question God's integrity. Because when we question God's integrity, we're questioning the literal integrity of the fabric and nature of the space-time continuum and eternity. Because everything that exists, exists by the power of His Word. And all things are held together by Him. He is the strong force. Yes, it's very, very quiet in this Presbyterian church. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! By your appointment, the, they stand this day for all things are your servants. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. Now, the law there, the word means basically God's principles, His ways. It's not talking specifically about a particular set of rules, even though it might include them because some of the principles are in them. It's talking more about the fact that, is it good to murder? Hello? Anybody out there? Is it good to murder? So why why do we not murder? Because it's not good. Am I right? And God made us good, and because we know we're good, in Him, we don't desire to murder. So if you have a desire to murder, you're actually having a malfunction. Because you're not functioning according to your original purpose. Am I right? Okay. So a a building that no longer has integrity, what do we call it? Condemned. Adam condemned the whole human race because they ended up breaking their integrity. Jesus came to restore the integrity of mankind and to bring us into Him so that His integrity becomes, becomes our integrity. Come on, you should be a little bit happier about that. Amen. Amen. So what ends up happening is, now the word of God is actually functioning via the integrity of God on your behalf. But unless you can put your trust in Him in such a way that you are fully persuaded, and I use that word because belief is such a watered down word in the English language right now, until you are fully persuaded that when God makes a promise, there is nothing and no one that can come against it. Come on now. There is nothing and no one that can come against a promise my Father makes me, and He's made me plenty. In fact, He's made plenty that are already in existence. I've got oxygen to breathe. I've got food to eat. I've got water to drink. I've got I've got air in my lungs. Am I right? And those exist by the power of His Word. And so why do I find it difficult to believe things that I cannot see, that are out of the purview of the things that I can interpret with my optical lens? Understand that your human eye can only see the past. It can never see the future. Because the light has reflected off of something that already exists that's brought comes into your eye. It might be very quick, but you cannot see what's coming from the from the supernatural into the natural with this eye, so why are you relying on it? You have to see it from here, from the eye of your heart. Let the eyes of your heart be enlightened, that you may know the fullness and the depth and the breadth of what you are in Christ Jesus. It means open the eyes of your heart so that you may see the fully developed image of Christ In you, so that you can begin to walk it out. Amen? So the Word of God is a blueprint. It is a full-on setup for how everything works. Nothing works without God bringing order to it by His Word. Everything's in chaos otherwise. Because the Word brings order to everything. And order is not a bad thing. Order doesn't mean you don't have freedom. Order just means there's order to your freedom. Amen? How many even you know there's a difference between chaos and having fun? Okay. Some of you guys know. Hallelujah. So the word of God is firmly fixed in the heavens. This means that God establishes his word from his kingdom in heaven. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, right? Your will be done where? On earth. As it is in heaven. So how many of you think that would be a great thing? If God's will was done on earth as His will is done in heaven. You all agree? Can I see a unanimous agreement? Can I see everyone's hands up? You all agree? Everyone agree? We want heaven on earth. Okay. Yes, the good and bad news. It starts with you. So every area of your life that is not yet fully submitted and surrendered to the will and intent of the Father, where you are still wanting to live your life instead of the life that He wants you to live, in that area, heaven can't come. And you are preventing heaven from coming through you in that area. That's why the Bible says, consider yourself dead to sin, and alive to God in Christ Jesus. It doesn't say beat yourself up with a cat of nine tails so you can feel bad about it for a week and then finally come to repentance. It says, no, 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 wake up, realize that's not who you were, you were malfunctioning, trust God to fix you so you can function and recognize who you are and walk in it. Doesn't it make sense. Repentance doesn't mean cry for a week. Repentance means change your mind and do something different. Are we getting there? Okay, so number one, the Word of God has to be your foundation. And I'm not talking about fancy-dancy interpretations or interpolations. I don't care about those things. I'm talking about basic, straightforward things. Okay, number one, when the Word of God says, right, Thou shalt not lie, which is a law, which you're not living under, but it's still true, all right, No one can say, well, I interpret that to mean that you shouldn't act like a spaghetti monster. You you can't do that kind of thing. Do you understand? And many people are doing stuff like that. Yeah? They are twisting scripture because they are weak and unstable. And we are not here to twist scripture. We are here to trust God's word. That means you take the plain meaning first in its context and you understand the times and the seasons. Got it? Okay, so the, wor- the Word will never change. How many of you have read the Bible since you were young? Yeah, because when, when I was a young boy, I used to carry a little pocket Bible, all right? And in that pocket Bible, I read Genesis 1. It said, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And guess what? When I was 16, I read it again. It still said the same thing. You'd think by now it would change. right? Some people think that God's going to change his mind. God is eternal. When he speaks, his word is eternal. So it's not temporary. He didn't decide like, well, just for a week, this is going to be true. And if that's the case, he normally stipulates that. So God's word, his promises to you don't change even when you mess up. Oh, Mark, what do you mean? Well, here's the thing. If God says you're righteous, then your righteousness is not dependent on what you do, but dependent on what He said. Hallelujah. That means you're righteous even if you messed up. And the minute you recognize that you're righteous, you will become what you behold. You'll start to walk in righteousness. But if you keep looking at the mistakes you've made, how many of you know that you keep making mistakes? Because what you behold you, amen. So the pattern that God has for us, the blueprint, is also in the word that was made flesh called Jesus. Isn't that right? He actually demonstrates a blueprint to us of what he originally intended mankind to be. And Jesus represents man in the flesh and demonstrates our original design and purpose on the earth to bring the earth to its fullness. Oh, hallelujah. Nothing can happen on the earth unless it is first fixed or settled in heaven. That means that God has to decree a thing before it can become a thing. Okay, guys, when a king makes a decree, it becomes a law. Okay, so if the scriptures say, all right, I will make a new covenant with them, and I will remember their iniquities and their sins no more, and that is the highest authority speaking, then what does it become? A law. law. Does it become a law? If the highest authority says that He will bear our sicknesses and our diseases, and He will forgive our sins and our iniquities, then when, when does it when is it not true? When did he stop it? When did he cancel it? If his word is always working, then if he said in Psalm 103, Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, forget not all his benefits, who forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases, and God never changed his mind, and Jesus demonstrated that every sickness and disease was under the authority of the kingdom of God, then when did he change his mind? He has not and he will not because this, for this purpose the Son of God was sent to destroy the works of the devil. In Acts ten thirty eight, Peter is talking to Cornelius and his people and he says how Jesus Christ was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power and how he went about doing good and setting all, all who were oppressed of the devil free because God was with him. So that means that if God was with him, then God wasn't working against him. So when Jesus healed the sick, it wasn't God making them sick. It was God working with Jesus to set them free from sickness. The oppression was coming from the enemy. When there was a demonic oppression, oh, that's easy. We know those are demons. Well, God didn't give them demons. Demons found them, and God was working with Jesus to set them free from demons. When people got leprosy, Well, they didn't deserve leprosy because of their sin. They got leprosy because they were jeopardized by their sin, perhaps. But then Jesus came working with his father and destroyed the oppression that the devil brought on them because he felt he had a just cause to bring sickness upon them because of their sin. Are you hearing me today? Some of you, when bad things happen in your life, you think God is punishing you for the bad things you've done. And I'm here to tell you it's a lie from the pit of hell and it's what the devil wants you to believe because the minute that you think God is doing it to you, you won't resist because you think it's God disciplining you. When actually it's the devil robbing you and you're too ignorant to know what he's up to. And today it ends. Today the thief steals no more because you know where your help comes from. Your help comes from the Lord. Amen? Man. So if God's word never changes, it is the final authority. And if God's word never changes, then it also never stops working. Some people have this idea that when God said light be, he has to go every 15th of a nanosecond and say light be, light be, light be, to keep it going. That's why when I say be healed, I don't care if it takes two months, I say be healed. It must keep working. Do you understand? Okay? Why? Because that is what my intention is. If your intention is be healed, let's see what happens, then guess what? When you see what happens, you'll go by what you see, not by what you said. Then what do you believe about what you said? You only believed what you said was true until you saw something didn't happen. Then you believed what you saw instead of what you said. Get the video. I'm telling you now, man. We need to be honest about this stuff. We need to be honest about this stuff. Because the only way we're going to all grow and get better at it is if we understand these principles and these modes of operation properly. We don't, cl- we don't try and hide them or trick people. We teach people how to operate in the power and the authority of God honestly. Guys, there are times... I face situations, I see things, my brain short circuits. I'm like, how the heck is this going to happen? Have you ever been there? You know what I do? I don't let my face communicate with my brain. (laughs) Seriously, do you understand what I'm saying to you? Okay, so I want you to imagine you're playing poker, right? And you get a bad hand. You don't let your face communicate with your brain. Otherwise, they know you have a bad hand, and you'll lose. But if you if you can have a good poker face, you can win. Isn't that right? If you fake it till you make it, you can win. Isn't that right? The devil doesn't know what you don't know. He has a test to see what you don't know. So if you keep acting like you know nothing, then he will know that you know nothing. He's not smart, guys. The guy literally couldn't find Jesus in a small town in Bethlehem. He had to kill all the babies. He couldn't find one Jesus in maybe 50 kids. Bethlehem wasn't very big. The oak is a bit doof. He's just got thousands of years of experience and he knows how people commonly succumb to temptation because they believe this one thing. This is the one thing that the devil believes about us that I want to prove he's wrong about. That you will love your own life over loving God. He says, skin for skin, a man will do anything he can to save his own life. And if we look at every single compromise that we've ever made, we have to realize that in those moments we've malfunctioned and we've chosen the wrong path. Am I right? But praise God we're breathing and we're able to prove the devil wrong still. And God has given us the ability and the grace to do so. Amen. So if God's word never stops working, then when you come in agreement with it, it doesn't stop working until you come out of agreement with it. Isaiah 55:11, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty. But it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and it shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Okay, so hold on. It shall accomplish that which I purpose. Now, let me give you a visual example of what I'm talking about. Jesus Christ is the Word made flesh. How many of you agree? Was Jesus sent by the Father to accomplish some things? Did He accomplish them? Did He return to the Father once it had been accomplished? So therefore, Isaiah 55.11 is not only speaking about God's word in general, but also about God's word in general. If you got that, praise the Lord. If you didn't, what I mean is, Jesus is God's word in general in the flesh, and he himself fulfilled this thing. He did not return to the Father until he had fulfilled everything. Are you with me? So when the word becomes one with you, then you won't return to the Father until you fulfill everything. Come on now. The last time the devil encountered the word made flesh, he got his butt handed to him. Yes, I'm a believer that uses the word butt. If you want, I'll use blessed assurance if it really helps you. But the reality is, I'm tired of the devil stealing from us all because we play games and we try and use fancy words instead of just getting to the point. Amen? The devil has been stealing far too much from far too many people. And the last three years, we've seen absolute catastrophe because when the good people keep quiet, the bad people keep going and doing bad things. Isn't that right? And so it's time for us as people who believe in God's word to begin to rise up and say, we insist on God's word. Amen. We insist on God's word. Yes, you have your opinions. You have your, we insist on God's word. It's our only sure foundation. So yeah, we live in a, I've gone a little bit ahead. All right. So God's word is also as believers, our constitution. So we've spoken about God's word as a foundation, right? Are you all happy with that? And now we also have to realize that God's word is actually our constitution because every single one of us are ambassadors of a foreign nation, right? We are in this world, but not of this world. We are ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven, which means we are here to represent heaven. Am I right? And so our constitution is in here. Did you know that when the devil starts accusing you, you can tell him that he's got the wrong person. Did you know that? Are you guys all paying attention? Everyone? When the devil comes accusing you, you can tell him you got the wrong person. See, because my Bible says that guy died. And it's now Christ that lives in me. Isn't that right? So you've just got to remind him of the identity you've been given from the government that God is king of and the constitution that provides you that privilege. You're you're not half as excited about this as I am. So that means that God's word is our constitution. It's the principles upon which we live. Why? Because God knows what He's doing. Last time I checked, He's God. (laughs) It might count for a thing or two. eh? And not only is he God, but he's our dad. And not only is he our dad, but he loves us furiously. And I don't know about you. I'd rather be governed by a God who is my dad, who loves me furiously than anyone or anything else. Amen? And he's proven that ferocity of his love towards us, has he not? By literally becoming one of us and dying for us so that he can establish relationship with us. So the Word of God was willing to die to access relationship with you again. How much have you been willing to do to access relationship with Him? I'm not saying you've got to earn your way in there. I'm saying He's just expecting you to literally turn to Him and say, I surrender. I'm in. I submit to your will, Lord. I am part of you. I'm one with you. This is not a difficult thing. This isn't a fight. This is a surrender. And it is to your benefit. The Bible says if you want to resist the devil, you first have to submit to God. Because you can't can't resist the devil when you're submitted to the devil. (laughs) And most people want to resist the devil while they're still submitted to the devil. You first have to come in agreement with God. So that means if someone says you're useless and you believe it, and the devil's harassing you about being useless, you can't resist him until you believe God, and God says, no, you're fruitful and abundant, and you succeed in all that you do, then you can resist him. So you actually have to know what the Word says about you in order to resist what the enemy is telling you, so that you can no longer submit to Him, but submit to God. You So the Word of God is our constitution. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Now I want to just highlight this. Correction, reproof, Those are not meant to be things that cut you off from the body. Those are things that are meant to challenge you to rise up to be all that you're supposed to be. Does that make sense? If you allow those things, either by the delivery of the execution of the correction or your reception of that correction to cause a division where you're no longer in the body of Christ, you are robbing yourself. Do you understand that? Don't do that. Watch what the next part says. It says that the man of God, you can put in there woman of God, because it's talking about all humans, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So what's the purpose of the Scriptures? Is to equip you all so that you can be fully equipped to do what God has called you to. That means every bit of correction, everything you disagree with that you find hard to comply with, where your will has to submit to God's will, it's all a process of you being equipped in this process. Does it make sense? Okay. So that means that God's word is there to teach us, to reprove us, to correct us, to train us in righteousness, and to equip the saints for every good work. The Spirit and the word will always agree. So when people come and tell me, oh, but the Bible was only around like 300 years after. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. If you're talking about the New Testament, sure. But Paul, Peter, James are all referred to the scriptures. Where did they find the scriptures? If there was no scriptures, where did they find them? What were they referring to? They're referring literally to the Torah and the Old Testament scriptures that spoke of Jesus. Jesus. So they always had scripture. This idea that scripture was absent is a bonkers idea. I don't know how many ignorant people came up with that in the room. And if it wasn't important to document these things, then why were they led by the Spirit to document them? So maybe we need to remember that people died and were burnt alive and were willing to sacrifice their lives so that we could have these pages today. Respect that thing. Amen? Amen? appreciate the fact that you can actually freely read this book there are places in the world where they can only study one page, it's the only thing they can come away with guys this thing is powerful do you know that wherever the word of God has gone the leadership of the world has moved back in the day when Europe had the Bible, when they put the Bible at the center of their thing they, they literally led the whole world they colonized everywhere and they made mistakes But they put the Bible at the the cornerstone. And then when the Bible moved, wherever it moved, those people became leaders. Do you know that? Because the word of God is the only accurate leadership that there can be. If you are not submitted to God's authority, then your leadership is out of authority. You are illegal. There is only one authority. He's the authority. You submit to his authority, then you have authority. If you don't, you have no authority. So, fathers, listen to me. You are the you are the head of your home as long as you are submitted to God. Did you hear me? Don't abuse that flippant authority that is there so that you can keep the people in your home safe and provide for them and make sure that they're flourishing. Are we clear? Women, listen to me, ladies. You set the atmosphere of your home. If you are constantly gripy and angry and moaning and groaning, you are literally going to destroy your household. If God himself couldn't tolerate the Israelites moaning and groaning all the time, and the Bible itself says it's a bad thing to have that kind of environment, what do you think you're creating? Most of you don't even know what you're doing. Because you think you're just voicing your opinion. No, sometimes the devil is using your words to destroy your whole household. Don't give him room. I'm not judging you or condemning you. I'm trying to let you know the power that you carry. Are you listening to me? The power you carry. If you bring joy into the room, you will bring joy into the environment. You are very powerful. There's not a guy in this room that's sitting here that doesn't know what it feels like to walk into a room where there are ladies and they're upset. It kills your spirit, man. You like, phew. but when you walk into a room and there's a bunch of ladies and praising the Lord and you can feel your spirit lifted. Now, how many of you would rather create areas of heaven instead of areas of hell? The spirit and the word always agree. So hopefully, guys and ladies, you understand I wasn't condemning you with what I was saying. I was trying to give you insight into the power that you carry and how that you can be more cooperative in your efforts so that you can bring heaven on earth. Amen? Yep. Am I clear with that? I don't want anyone misunderstanding me on that. Okay? Right. So, God's Word has to become our culture, people. You see, it's not enough for, we, for us to know that God's Word is the foundation, and it's not enough for us to know that God's word, right, is our constitution. It actually has to become a lifestyle. It's something that we have to live so that our children adopt it automatically, and their children adopt it automatically, and it becomes a lifestyle. Amen? How many of you being brought up in Christian homes, even though maybe it wasn't the full breadth of scripture, whatever scripture you did get, it benefited you. Amen? All right, so we all know that there was there was good stuff that came from the Scripture when our parents gave that to us because the Word is life. Amen? Okay, so God's Word has to become a culture in our lives. That means we have to spend time in it, right? And God was so committed to his word that in Psalm 138 verse 2, it says, I will worship towards your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have exalted your word above all your name. That means that God himself, himself is accountable to his own word. God will not go against His own word. When He says, I have made an oath and I will not break it. I have made a promise and I will not break it. I'm not a man that I would lie. I keep my word. You can trust Him. And and brothers and sisters, if we begin to move towards the word of God as our ultimate authority, then we can re-look at a bunch of things we believe and we can start to dismantle these belief systems that might be disabling us from trusting God in different areas of our lives. How many of you are keen to see those areas dismantled and destroyed so that you can operate in this place of full dependence on God's word in your life? Amen? And so within the weeks to come, there's going to be, I'm going to be hopefully sharing at some point more on these different things, these traditions and these beliefs. That have nullified the word of God in your life. And we'll be going through them systematically so that we can destroy these ideas that herald themselves against the goodness of God. And we can bring our understanding back in line with God's word. How many of you know that God is constant? And that if we don't like something that God said, then we probably got to change, not Him? Amen. So it's it's not it's not a matter of well I don't like what God said there until He says something else I'm not giving Him my vote. It's like, <laughs> he's King. He he doesn't need your vote. He owns you. Jesus paid for you. Does it make sense? And so I want you to understand this: that if you want God's Word to work in your life, you have to first understand what His promises are, and then you have to remove every obstacle, every lie that comes to try and tell you now this sounds like hard work but the easiest way to avoid all those lies is to actually focus on the truth yeah so how many of you remember when they were trying to find forgeries when it came to paper like notes they wouldn't tell you how all the fakes look they would tell them to study the original yeah and then when they knew the original they'd be able to pick up on all the fakes amen now i've got some good news for you number one And I've got some bad news for you. Number one, I'm going to teach you how to recognize the fake. Good news. How many of you would like that? Bad news is I'm going to ruin you to like most of Christianity. Which means you're going to have to stay here. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Because we're going to be a community of people whose minds are renewed. And are able to walk in the truths of God. And not fall prey to these whimsical theories of man that keep robbing us of what God intends for us. Amen? Amen. Thank you. Can we all stand? I'm just going to pray for everybody. All I want from you is that if if maybe you'd like to just say, God, today I'm going to take your word seriously. I'm going to begin to submit and surrender to the principles, and I'm going to re-examine my heart and the things I believe, even things I've held true for years in my life, if they don't line up with your word, I'm willing to change them. Okay? If that's you, I want you to put up your hand, right? And I'm going to pray for all of you, but I'm going to pray specifically for you guys. And it might be things you don't even know about. So there's not a condemnation thing or anything. This is just a, Lord, I'm willing to change the things that I think uh, that you show me are not in line with your word. Amen? All right. So Father, I just pray for every single person here, especially The people who have raised their hands in this room, who have made a stand to say, I don't care about what I currently believe. If it disagrees with you, Father, I'm willing to change my life, change my ways, because I'd rather be submitted to you and surrendered to you and have a foundation that's based on your word than to believe the lies that have been robbing me of living the full life that you intend for me. So right now, in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, I ask that you begin to prepare the soil, that you begin to prepare the hearts and the minds, so that when those things come crumbling down, that the pain of those things will not cause chaos, but that it will be replaced with your word, a light, a beacon of order and light and love. In Jesus' mighty name, thank you, Holy Spirit. So be it. Amen. Thank you very much, guys.